Hey everyone, John here from Silvers.com from the Mothership. Just wanted to drop in real quick, give a quick disclaimer. This episode does talk about Gerard Jones, who is currently in jail for child pornography, as he was involved in the issue they're talking about, and the character Arm Fall Off Boy, who is being portrayed by Nathan Fillion as TDK in the current Suicide Squad movie. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that it is talked about in this episode. However, uh, the conversation does handle it in a really great way. So please enjoy this episode of Funny About Forensics. So you were just saying that we were going to discuss my favorite Legion of Superheroes story ever. Heck yeah. I'm yeah, so well, excited. Well, we've got Secret Origins number 46 and good luck finding this anywhere. I know. I'm so excited. John from the Mothership is going to join us and everything, right? This is going to be so cool. Yeah. Well, you one labeled our recording along as Secret Origins 47. So step one, you can actually find that issue. Yay. This is not uh, that. That's not that. Oh. Uh, second, yeah, John from the Mothership. Um, well, you know, he'll be here someday. He's not. Oh man, did he? He didn't join us for this. This is. This I don't is, think we picked, really like. We asked him, but then we didn't really ask him. Yeah, I so, know. He picked I mean, this book, though. <laughs> well, I picked this book. You I picked believe, this book for him. For him. Well, yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. So we're we're covering uh, Secret Origins number forty six from nineteen eighty nine. Oh, yes. I'm and excited. We've got, yeah, we've got uh, the blueprint of Justice Mountain. Yes. On the cover, the old Justice League of America headquarters back in the late 60s, early 70s uh, when uh, they were hanging out with like. So this was definitely um, after Black Canary joined the team. So it would have been after at least the first crossover with the Justice Society, right? When she decides to stay in uh in on earth one so if y'all aren't familiar so look at me deep diving already um black canary was on earth two um she was the daughter of the original black canary so dinah lance was the daughter and uh every summer after a certain point there would be a crossover event between the justice society who were the golden age heroes and the justice league of america who were the earth one so Basically, before Crisis on Infinite Earths, you had Earth 1 and Earth 2, and then a whole bunch of other Earths, like my favorite, like Earth 3, where everybody's a villain, things like that. And so uh, this is a flashback. The first story in here is a flashback story to the Justice League after the appearance of the JSA, when you've got a Justice League lineup, I believe, of, if I remember the story correctly, you've got Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Black Canary, Martian Manhunter, and The Flash. Oh, man. So what a cool lineup. Uh, Superman and, and Batman are out doing their own thing. But you've got a, a super cool Justice League of America lineup. And then we also get a Teen Titans flashback story, a new Teen Titans flashback story to some of the Wolfman Perez era heroes, which is great. And then we get a Legion of Superheroes flashback. But their flashback goes back like the Justice League of America. It goes back all the way to the Silver Age. And so in early Silver Age, uh, when you had a constant barrage of Legion tryouts, uh, basically heroes would walk up and the heroes would evaluate them and and accept them or reject them. It seemed pretty mean. It seemed like a, a secret club. But uh, we'll get into that story, too. Uh, my only call out on this cover is and I get why they did it from a marketing standpoint. But you have the classic Justice League of America like uh, cover, right? Their their logo. Mm -hmm. You have the classic New Teen Titans logo. And then the Legion of Superheroes logo is the logo from the 1989 Five Years Later book instead of 
the classic like adventure comics logo, like if they had done like Adventures of the Legion or something like that, or Tales of the Legion. Uh, so it would have been nice to see the Legion logo match up uh, with the other logos. And I think that's an editorial problem, honestly, at DC <laughs> uh, at this time. And I blame Mark Wade, who's a huge Legion of Superheroes fan and was one of the editors on one of the stories in this book. Well, I mean, everybody has problems. Well, Mark Wade, you are on the Dan list. The list of Dan. That's it. it he's on the Dan list. He's in trouble. He's, he's got, he, a, a, yeah. got a target on this guy. Oh, man. Don't want that. Well, this is a very interesting cover. I'm not sure how they expected to sell comic books based on this cover, but I like it. It appealed to me. <laughs> it appealed to you. You're you're happy with it. You're like, yes. But it's definitely not action-packed. You're like, eh, it doesn't really do it for me, but, I mean, it's it's a... It's a cover. Well, and I would pick up every Secret Origin book that had the Legion in it back in the day, as you're aware. So I definitely picked this up um, when I knew you the first time in life. Yes. And still have this book. So that's the only reason we can read it, because you can't get it on DC Infinite. I don't think you can get it on Comixology, which is weird. It's almost like they're trying to hide this book for some reason. Trying to hide it. I don't know why. Should we spoil it now or spoil it later? Plop. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't spoil it. No, don't spoil it yet. All right, we're not going to spoil it. Let's get into the first story. There are three stories, one about the Justice League, one about the new Teen Titans, and one about the Legion of Superheroes. And when you have a layout of a headquarters on the cover, hopefully this is like the secret origin of the headquarters. Hmm. Interesting concept. Usually secret origins are about heroes, but uh, this will be this will be interesting. So let's flip the page. Let's get into this. All right. And we have our first story immediately. Love Secret Origins. We're not playing around. Ghosts of Stone. It is a Justice League of American story, uh, of America's story, written by Grant Morrison. What? <laughs> In Secret Origins 46. Okay. This is wild. Now, you know, what's really wild is Kurt Swan penciled this book in 1989. If you don't know Kurt Swan, Kurt Swan was the Superman artist for what, like 25 years ish ish. They even had Kurt Swan draw Superman's face over Jack Kirby. We talked about that in a past uh, episode. Oh, yeah. And uh, made Jack Kirby super happy. Let me tell you. And uh, the uh, George Freeman is the inker. Um, Albert Del. uh Oh, my it's my lettering is uh, Gilman. And Mark Wade is the editor, so I blame wow. Mark Wade for not getting the uh, cover art right. Uh, the the big thing, though, is Kurt Swan's an interesting choice. Kurt Swan didn't draw a lot of Justice League. Do you know who drew most of the Justice League issues? Who drew most of the Justice League issues? Or a big chunk of them. So from 1968 to 1980, uh, when he died, Dick Dillon uh, drew most of the Justice League issues. Um, he died suddenly in 1980. Um and it looks like, according to the old Wikipedia, he drew 64 through 66, 68 through 75, 77 through 84, 86 through 92, 94 through 152. That's quite a run. And 154 through 183. So just a few fill-in issues from other artists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Dick Dillon was the main artist on the Justice League for a long time. And so it makes sense to go get a classic Silver Age artist in Kurt Swan to match the style, right? When you're telling the old story, it's interesting, too. I feel like George Freeman um, was the inker and the colorist here. 
Um, I feel like he did modernize Kurt Swan's style a little bit to sort of match uh, with the pe- with the inking to match the '70s style, right? It looks very Bronze Age, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Actually, it's like it's 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 very pretty. But the one thing I do think it does too, and we'll get into this, is Kurt Swan. Uh, a lot of the criticism of Kurt Swan in the the Silver Age is that the faces all look the same. You can only differentiate them by the hairstyle. So let's take a look at that sort of as we go through too. Except for Martian Manhunter, he has no hair. He has no hair, right? But yeah, his you know his mouth sort of looks like Green Lantern's mouth on the cover. It does. You're kind of looking at it, yeah. so. Yeah, that was one of the Kurt Swan criticisms. But I mean, Kurt Swan's a classic and he had that classic Superman curl look going. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, you know, you just can't, again, uh, say enough about Kurt Swan. So, wow. Uh, Dick Dillon also drew Blackhawk from issue 108 to issue 241 from Dang. 1957 to 1968. And that's when he picked up Justice League. That's fascinating. So that's so he spent like. 11 years on one book and then 12 years on another book. Man, that's wild. I remember when uh, Blackhawk came back out again in the, was it like in the eighties and it yep. was, it was mature audiences only. Yeah. And I, I, I did the old stack uh, I went to the comic book shop that my grandpa dropped me off and it was the one time I bought something at cover price without like i mean i bought my 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 normal um bin poles like my not my bin poles my uh my little you know like i think they were like the 25 cent box stuff and then i i I was like oh my gosh no one's here to tell me no i'm gonna buy this and i stacked it in with my other stuff because i mean i I was buying it any you know like i knew they would ring it up but i knew like i i didn't I, i was like maybe they'll just like let it slide and the dude didn't even care. Like, I, I felt like I was getting away with, like, something so bad because, you know, I think I was, like, 13 years old and I was getting, like, the, or not 13, maybe, like, 12 or something, like, you know, 11 or 12 and getting that that adults-only book. And I was like, well, I'm buying it for my dad when he looked at me kind of like, all right, right, kid, whatever. And I was like, I'm <laughs> buying it for my dad. And, you know, like, I, I even, you know, I was like me being the honest kid. I read it on the bus on the way home and then gave it to my dad. Like after I got back to my grandparents' house and like when, when my parents came to pick me up and I was like so excited that I had such a naughty book. It wasn't even naughty. It's just a lot of shooting. It's just for mature audiences. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Side note too, Side, I yes. dug a little bit further. Dick Dillon yep. drew Blackhawk for quality comics before DC bought them from 67 Whoa. to 107. Oh, wow. So 1951 to 56. So he drew Blackhawk consecutively from 1951 until 1968. That's wild. And then Justice League. And then so, Justice League. That's so anyway. Yeah, that's see. Well, we, we're in here. So, well, it's Grant Morrison. So it's for mature audiences, right? Yeah, of course. Or it's going to be esoteric and weird. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's 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 good, right? I mean, as a kid, you get excited about something (laughs) yeah well good news we have it looks like they're fighting their own costumes on the front page so that is us as and weird totally i'm like what's going on why are they fighting their own costumes i don't know but green lantern's holding down the flash's costume with a giant hand so yeah and where's the flash well that's a good question let's uh turn the page find out all right let's find out all right all right all right 
And so we get a classic, here's the flash. (laughs) There's Barry Allen pushing Iris West out of his apartment, uh, saying he's late for something in classic flash fashion. So Mm -hmm. Iris looks pissed. It's interesting because this is a flashback story and Iris's hair is very much 1983, 84. Oh, yeah. That seems like like an interesting hairstyle for Kurt Swan to draw. It looks like she just came off of like a soap opera. Yeah. Maybe but Barry's hair <laughs> looks like he came right out of like, uh, cro- you know, the barbershop in 1965. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's all ready to go. He's very mad, man. <laughs> yep, he is very mad. And he's got his shirt and tie on, too. And there he goes. And he's 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 got an emergency. So he's kicking Iris out and he goes to become the Flash. And we get what? to page three. Oh, man. This and is... his costume... <laughs> Not looking good. Away. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be, then, of like, course, if I was a superhero and my costume came to life and like just jammed out on me, I would be, I, I would, I, I would, I would be a little freaked out. Yeah, it's a little interesting. It's very Doctor Who. Very. Which makes sense for Grant Morrison. So very. there you go. <laughs> okay. Well, well, uh, Barry's running around looking for a new costume and uh, he gets a new costume and he goes out. To looking uh, for his costume and all of a sudden he spots the Justice League and we've got a lineup of The Flash of course as I said before Martian Manhunter Black Canary Aquaman no wow. Green Arrow my bad and Green Lantern and we've got Green Lantern in his suit uh, mm-hmm. presumably because his suit comes from his ring yeah we've got Naked Aquaman right as Aquaman is Black Canary is in a suit because apparently she had a spare but Aquaman mm-hmm. didn't. And the Martian Manhunter is in a suit, but I thought the suit was part of Matt Martian Manhunter's powers. I didn't know he had his own suit. That's a good question. So maybe there's a hole in the story here we were missing. But anyway, Martian Manhunter is in his, his cape and his X-pants. X-pants? I don't know what yeah. we call them. Yeah. Okay. So we get on with this. You know, this is unusually non-wordy for a Grant Morrison script. <laughs> It's very, it's not super, super heavy. Yeah. Oh, here we go. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> Next We're page back. has lots of words. All right. Uh, so Flash basically interrogates the group and uh, asks them what they're all doing there. And Green Lantern's like, you tell me our costumes came to life and they came here to Rhode Island where their headquarters is, by the way, or Justice oh, League man. Mountain is. Yeah. In Rhode Island, because that's where the Justice League should have their headquarters. It makes sense. I mean, it's, it's kind of. It's a nice place. It's by the Cape. You can, uh, it's a hot, quick jump to some good lobster and, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> and then they call it out immediately. Hey, Black Canary's like, fortunately, we all had spare costumes, except Aquaman, of course, because he's, of course, he's like the best I could do is a, a black Speedo. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Aquaman's uh, like he's channeling his future movie self in this yeah. issue. Makes sense. Totally makes I mean, sense. why does Aquaman really need a costume when he's in the water anyway? It it does it does really make a good question as to, you know, I mean, he's swimming around, he lives in the water most of the time. Yeah, why does he need a costume? Well, they are I think their costumes have been possessed. We get to the next page, and of course the Martian Manhunter finally speaks and he's used one of his nine hundred powers to analyze the costumes telepathically. And uh He's found that they have some sort of mathematical presence. Oh, man. 
and math uh, barry classically said aliens ah not aliens again i'm getting sick of aliens marsh manor's like i'm an alien and i would like some chacos some cookies of course not, yeah not the shoes not the shoes. um and so well anyway uh they go investigating this mountain to see what's going on inside what's inside um and the green lantern is going to drill the mountain through because you know that's all green lantern does is punch things and drill things and everything like that and um flash is like you could vibrate through the mountain and green lantern surprised by this so this must be pretty young in there it's interesting because it's supposedly pretty young in their adventuring days but uh black canary didn't come on until that crossover set so it's weird because in the secret origin story it's like they're applying the uh the they're applying the crisis rewrite to the justice league mm-hmm. in a flashback story which is weird do you know what the crisis rewrite was for the justice league i do not know so black canary officially takes the place of wonder woman in all justice league issues oh um, because if wonder woman's first appearing as we were doing the wonder woman issues if she's first appearing in the 80s right yeah then she couldn't have been in the justice league that would have been impossible that would make sense so Black Canary becomes the replacement for Wonder Woman throughout time, which is an interesting approach. Well, and then uh, (laughs) the best thing ever, uh, the Flash's yellow boots break the Green Lantern bubble and the costumes all escape and the Flash goes in chasing after him. Oh, man. And he goes in and the something tells the Flash, ah, but first tell me your story. Yes, your story is very short and soon it will end. Mine is longer. Let me tell you my story. And so when did the Flash die, Greg? Which time? Well, that time, the big time. <laughs> the the main time? The Flash Barry Allen, yeah. Um, oh, man. In, it was me... kind of a major event. It was on like a cover. He... You're making me do, you make me do some, some history and digging around. Digging around to know that he died in Crisis on Infinite Earths. There you go. <laughs> kind of a big deal. And who know, replaced man. Barry I Allen? I kind of forget these things. Who replaced Barry Allen? Who replaced him? Yeah. The other guy. The other guy. Yeah, Wally yeah. West. Huh? So at this time in the stories, Wally West was was yeah. the Flash. So one thing we are getting in the Secret Origin, or we are getting at least a flashback to a Barry Allen story. So the mountain um, starts telling his story. He says, my origin, he was meteorites came and stuff happened and he was a rock. And then great collisions happened and then things dried out and then dinosaurs came and things started dying and living and dying. And uh, he became a mountain and then he tracked everything he recorded and um, some aliens came and they left an, a presence in the rock. Oh, like the man. Ship got aliens over the for rock. sure. Yeah. And so... It says all the fleeting fragile lives, all of it recorded here and recreated in this dynamic oral sculpture. Vibration is the trigger. And the flash is like, oh, my God, my brain's bursting. He's never experienced this uh, when he's vibrated before because he the vibrations triggered this psychic backlash. And then at the bottom of page nine, we get some fantastic Kirby crackle. It is pretty sweet. And flash bounces out. And as he flies out. Um, we see everybody's fighting with their costumes, which is fantastic. Very. Um, like, yeah, like Aquaman has his tied up, um, and, uh, Black Canary's fighting hers and hers has hair because Black Canary uses the wig to cover her black hair. 
which if she was black canary, wouldn't it make more sense if she just had her black hair? It would make sense. But okay, that's, you know, neither here nor there. Well, then the Flash gets thrown out of the thing. Um, the Martian Manhunter is fighting his skin, presumably, because he's fighting a costume, too. Yes. And uh, anyway, the Flash gets spit out, and they try to figure out what's happening. The Flash is like, man, it was like a, a silica microchip. Macrochip, he says, not microchip. Um, that told him, like, everything about history. He's super excited. And uh, and that allows Martian Manhunter to determine that they need sound. And so they create a giant tuning fork um, out of with the Green Lantern ring. And oh, yeah. uh, the canary sings and they look up and it uncovers the story. And we see the aliens in their ship and they needed their help to unlock the images. Uh, they, they landed there, died millions of years ago, but they can see all throughout history and they fade away and they go home and the costumes are no longer inherit uh, animated by the presence and it's it's gone. So they're back where they came from, but they look at the mountain and they're like, "Man, this would be a great headquarters." Whoa. Mountain inhabited by alien presence, let's stay there. Totally. It makes sense. I mean, why would you not want to it's a gift the aliens gave them. Yep. So they came and they opened up my uh, galleries and chambers and filled me with light and chatter and machinery. Yay. And uh, that's the mountain talking, of course. And the brief radiant sparks that live and die filled me with their noise and their haste. And we get the lineup of Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Aquaman, The Flash, and, of course, Snapper Carr. Hey. And uh, if you thought uh, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog sucked, (laughs) meet Snapper Carr. Oh, come on. You're like, I, you're you're like, no, you come on, Greg. (laughs) Yep. Snap, snap. Anyway. And then we get one more page. Um, They filled me with the brightness of their being and then they were gone and they referenced back to the flash, uh, the shining fast and came again. And then he too was gone. I often wonder what became of him. Now my heart lies empty on Tenanted and I grow old in the great slow light of the stars. Sometimes some small creature will pass through me and activate the lattice of memory with its ultrasound. And for a moment, they are with me once more. Burning brief candles of life, bright and splendid, flickering long gone, ghosts of stone. And it's kind of sad at the end. And I, I do I do like that uh, with Young Justice, they put them back in the mountain headquarters. I always thought that was a nice touch. That is nice. It is a it's a it's a nice somber origin, and it yeah it kinda, it's, it's kind of uh, sad. <laughs> it is sad, but it is also it's kind of it's kind of like life with every with every thing. There's a beginning and an end, and things come around again. And like you and said, with four, Young Justice, they they brought it back. And for a fourteen page story, I thought this one was pretty tight. I mean, it's Grant Morrison writing. Um, sometimes yeah. I think his stories aren't very tight. In this case. I thought when he was limited to these 14 pages of a single story, I thought it was kind of a nice little story. Definitely. I think it, I mean, you have a nice plot through thread. You learn about this presence or origin. Um, and it's, it's, it's nice. It, it is, it is kind of somber at the end, but I thought it was touching. It was a nice tribute to the flash. I think at the time and, and Grant Morrison got to write a couple of, of these sort of tribute stories too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, he did this one. He also did the the Superman um, 
totally uh, uh whatever happened to the man of tomorrow uh, uh story in adventure uh, in action comics uh which was a nice uh i think it was an action in superman crossover i'm trying to remember the issues but it was basically like a love letter to the silver age and what would happen before crisis so grant morrison did get to write a couple of these stories that were sort of tributes to these heroes that were eliminated by the crisis or versions of the heroes, right? Versions, like he yeah. writes a nice love letter to the Superman of before, before John Byrne got him. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of fun. I, I, I like this a lot, actually. Yeah. And the artwork, it, it marries well with, with the words. And it's, it's really, I, I feel like it fits. It all, it all fits and hits really and good. And as much as some of the criticism I've seen of, and maybe a lot of it was the inker too, but I love the flash a snap between page 13 mm-hmm. how young they look and energetic and then as they've matured on page 14 and we get the adam in there too sitting in his little chair which i think is a yeah. nice touch so fun a lot of fun fun little uh short story and uh we'll move on to story number two story unless you have two. any objections here nope okay so we move from the justice league to the team book that outsold the justice league in the early 1980s move to the new Teen Titans. And we have an interesting lineup of Teen Titans here. It looks like we have Cyborg, Nightwing in his fantastic high-collar costume, yes. uh, Raven, uh, Starfire. It looks like the Troya version of Donna Troy, which is not my favorite. Um, <laughs> and well, and I'll get into that in a second. And then Jericho. Uh, and, and Troya, right? Like, again, we have another crisis victim because if Wonder Woman died in crisis, like the Golden Age Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman doesn't appear until the 80s, then where did Wonder Girl come from? Mm. And so you had Donna Troy, who was Wonder Girl in the comic books from the 60s. Um, but now all of a sudden they have to rewrite her origin. And the character really never recovers from this. Um Really cool, strong character. Um, Donna Troy is married. Um, her husband and kid die off panel. So they didn't even bother to write it in the story. And then she comes back with another origin. Um, we did have kind of a cool, like, who is Donna Troy story at some point. But then it, it just, then she becomes a dark star. Then she's killed. Then she comes back. It's just... <laughs> It, it, it sucks because um, this happened with the Legion too and it happened with a few other characters. It's like the crisis was kind of a cool story, but then um, the repercussions of it sort of like weaved their little tendrils across the DC universe and just destroyed some really good characters that people were writing. Yeah. Making it difficult to kind of keep those good, those good storylines and those, those character developments that were it, in and in this case, Marv Wolfman destroyed his own character. Well, I mean, Marv can do that. Yeah, he- except, you know, when you have the best-selling book in 1982, and then <laughs> as we did covered when we covered the Titans and the Danny Chase stuff, by 1986, you're not even close. Eh, or 87, 88. It was 88, right? The Danny book we Chase. covered. But yeah, six, six years later, you're in the middle of the pack. That's not so good. Yeah. Probably not the best editorial decision. But uh, we're here and uh, get a nice the Titans Tower there, the big T building. And they met upon the shore of the East River and waited for an ultrasonic signal activated by the Titans Bridge. Uh, Some of them could fly across the waters 
uh, one could easily make the leap, but a fourth could teleport at will. But instead, they accept a slow method of transportation, and they would always ride on this little piece across the tower. And it's their home. And uh, that's how we start the story, with Marv Wolfman writing and Vince Giorano as the art, uh, doing the art. So it looks like uh, pencils and inks. Uh, Jason Chang, Janice Chang letterer, and Adrian Roy is colorist. And Mark Wade is the editor on this one, too. So, Mark, why did you not? You are a lifelong Legion of Superheroes fan. You wrote an entire set of comic books dedicated to cataloging historical appearances of the Legion of Superheroes, and you gave me the wrong logo on the cover. <laughs> you're so you're you're really burned by this. I am very burned by this. Because if it was anybody but Mark Wade, I'd probably be fine with it. But when Mark does it, you're you just wanna send him a you nasty know, gram. Yeah, talk right now because I'm going to Twitter right now. Oh, he's going to Twitter, folks. Oh, no. And Don't do we're it, gonna, Dan. We're going to go. Should we go from the Funny Book Forensics account? Yes, we'll go from the... Oh, my. Are you really going to do this? Oh, my goodness. Yes, he's, at he, Mark Wade. He, he, he's, uh, he's unstoppable right now, folks. He Actually, I think, I think I'll go to my own account right here. This is, this is what makes a good podcast right here. This, um, yeah, he's telling you what he's going to do, and you can't... Obviously, this is really good radio because it's all visual, but you can right. go check out these tweets uh, from his personal account, and then we will we'll go and like it from, from the... Uh, yeah, but you know we're account. good. So yeah, so tell me what you think of this first page, and you can start covering the second page. Yeah, I I'm looking at this first page. I really do like I like the art. I I like how it all lays out. Um, obviously, like the uh, overall feel of it and everything like that is is good. Uh, I'm gonna turn the page. Oh man, this is this is a nice little layout as well. Um, as they as they get into their they get to their home and uh, they're they're getting there and they're they're getting off the their their uh, I don't know what is that the the, the transport <laughs> yeah and uh, it's whatever's wrong seeing it makes me feel things could become right I think it affects us all the same it's gone through a lot. Because you know when you see when you see their home, it's it's comforting and almost inspiring. That's the, that's in the top, right? That's the top panel, and that, and it is. I mean, when you when you open up this page, when you see that first page, and you see this this top panel, this it, it totally hits you in the feels right there. Yeah, and I uh, like it. And yeah. well, it brings back memories, right? Yeah, for us. Yeah. yeah, for us. And then even even as as uh, as as you as you've been, you know watching stuff or seeing things uh even in the the newer ages of stuff i mean it's hard you can't you can't deny the iconic uh, the this this iconic look and feel so it's it's definitely it was it was set the die was cast and uh and here we are so yeah, and so I've, I've officially asked mark wade by the way um so oh, we'll did. find out what he says yeah oh my he may respond. You know, Mark's very active on Twitter, so we may actually get a response. I was very polite. I said, why did you use the 1989 Legion logo on the cover of Secret Origins 46? Wouldn't an Adventure Comics Tales of Legion logo been more appropriate? So <laughs> that's that's what I ask. Well, we are. Yeah, we're there. And I love I love these. Um, 
you know, it's interesting too to see if we could recreate the magic, right? But Marv kids never seem to recreate the magic with uh, Teen Titans, right? Yeah. I and I think, think that's part of it, what makes it so nostalgic and you feel so good when you see it again, right? Yeah. It, it definitely brings you back to being a kid reading these. When it had like from 81 to 85-ish, right? Like before, right before it went deluxe, right? So I guess I was 84, but that three-year run was so amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of it just kind of gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And <laughs> I mean, I think we just get older and older and older and we have either uh, ideas or, or expectations that are different. Yeah, that, so maybe the book didn't grow well with its audience, too, right? It might be. Maybe it's just fine. Well, and it was honestly a little bit before my time. Like I wasn't really getting them until 1984. So I didn't get to read them through their heyday. Right. Like I was picking mm-hmm. them up when I was like 10. Um, and so I didn't get a lot of comics when I was younger than 10. So it was, uh, I didn't get a lot to, I, I read them later. Right. And I still thought they were really good though. Yeah. So, well, anyway, um, we get, uh, a check-in and they're in a classic DC trope. There's a cyborg on monitor doing uh, monitor duty duty. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking about his dad and, uh, and he's talking about, you know, from the Tales of the Teen Titans miniseries, number one, that history of Cyborg, which is the classic where um, in this version, Cyborg's body, like part of it's like destroyed and it gets fixed. And there's various versions of the story. But in this case, they fix half his body. He becomes a cyborg and his it was a car wreck, I believe, I think, in the original story. Hmm. I think back. But anyway. Uh, his son was a track star later. He becomes a football star in other iterations, but I think track star makes sense. It's the Olympics right now. And yeah, here we go. There he is. And, uh, uh, his dad saves him. And then there's like a lot of cyborg recovering and he leaves his dad and escapes and gets in the hoodie and joins the Titans. But now he's really regretful because his dad loved him. But, you know, again, too, is his dad sort of made him into what he considers to be a freak said, you know, it was interesting and he gets back to joining the Titans and it's interesting little retrospective on the, uh, the, the origin of a uh, cyborg here over a few pages. And by the time we get to page six, um, looks like his dad's a little bit sick. He's coughing. Um, but he's still trying to, Oh, and in this case, okay. So he brought a creature through a dimensional door that, killed cyborg i'd forgotten that oh man on page six yeah this is a lot of different iterations of cyborg origin <laughs> yeah <laughs> just me forget well at least i know all the parts of the legion story well anyway he owns talking about these patents and everything he owns them all um and i think he's been dreaming up a place and we get to page seven and he's drawn the plans to titan's tower so he's gonna build this thing for his son it looks amazing. Yeah, well, I, I've always thought this headquarter building looked pretty cool. I'm not sure how it stands. Um, well, I mean, structurally, physics and all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I, I think you you could take, um, you could make your own Titan's Tower if you wanted to out of a couple shipping containers. You can get one upended. Let's throw do it on top. We could. We could. We could live <laughs> in it. It would be possible. It could be possible. Well, um, tiny homes. <laughs> well, anyway, 
Uh, Victor Stone is being very demanding. He's like, build this thing for me. I want it done. Still coughing. And he goes back to his wife's grave and puts some flowers there. And he notes he's going to see her very soon. And these issues are somber. Yeah. Well, here's uh, Mr. Stone still like uh, cough, cough, coughing away. And man, uh, there's they keep building. Yeah. It's a lot of concrete they're pouring. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and they do say, uh, what are you talking about? I drew up these plans myself. Uh, You left off a zero, sir. Please look at the plans again. The first time a plane lifts off and the entire floor would collapse. Um, and he's starting to miss things. So yeah, they are talking about the structural integrity problems of the building. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. And, uh, well, he finishes the building and he was dying and, uh, uh, cyborg kicks him out again and his dad leaves him a letter and it says cyborg, you're cordially invited to the opening of Titan's tower. I'll be there tomorrow at noon location and map and closed. And cyborg's like Titan's tower. What? And by the way, um, I, I don't, mean to be too critical but this story is definitely driven by the dialogue and not the art this is true the art is secondary for sure yeah it's very washed out would that be a good word yeah it's Um, not what i would consider to be traditional comic book art for sure it i i'm just gonna say it has the feel of um uh when you go and you get uh uh, mcdonald's uh happy meal bag with art on it like for like a superhero um yeah. bag from the 80s or something like that and it's like you know what it's supposed to look like you have an idea of what it's supposed to look like so you know what it is but you're like it doesn't quite look right this is kind of what yeah. it, it looks like to me not to say that it's bad it's just that the the like you said the dialogue and everything else is going on uh I'll, I'll, I'll say it i'll say it's bad i don't think it's good art i don't think it's consistent i don't think the faces are consistent um I look across it and it's, it's very, I don't know. It's just, it's, you have it's a, there. You have an expectations an expectation for it. <laughs> yeah. Especially from this period, I expect yeah. the art to look a certain way, but we are into 89. So there is a, a few artistic differences that starting to get more experimental. And you have an artist shortage around this time because of the implosion. No. Oh, the explosion. The explosion. Yeah. Yeah. That would be one. Um, what year, uh, what was gearing up? It is 89 still. So there's still some artists around, but, uh, most of them are over at, uh, at Marvel, right? Yeah. And in 1992, they're about to form image, right? So you had a lot of, uh, artists already going over to Marvel and then you have a lot of artists gearing up to form their own company and with, and get their own stuff. So sometimes for some of these fill in issues or fill in stories, it was difficult to find a high quality artist to do those. Yeah, it was. And if you made it this far, I don't want to say you're not a high quality artist, but I am not a big fan of this art. I think it's very washed out and I think it's not very, I don't think the figures are good. I don't think it's very specific. I think sometimes too, when you're, um, when you're tasked with doing, uh, a story that your heart might not be into, (laughs) particularly if this isn't their thing, if this isn't their, like, if, uh, I'll say like, if, if they've done other work for other, other storylines and that's really their jam and this is not Teen Titans isn't. Maybe they're not a superhero or maybe they're just not a superhero artist, right? They're just doing the work to, to get a tryout, but Mm -hmm. well, we get it anyway. We get uh, we get back into the story and 
Um, Vic notes that they patched things up before he died. So that's kind of a nice ending. And, and he appreciates his dad for showing him he loved him. And he joins the team and they ask him if he's okay. He says, with this place, okay. Damn. Yes. Everything's okay. My dad built the tower, didn't he? Nothing will ever go wrong with it. Nothing. <laughs> Which if you follow the team <laughs> Titans, uh, it didn't really go wrong with the tower, but the tower got attacked a lot. Like it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. I mean, you put a big giant T on an island in the middle of New York, you're kind of painting a bullseye there. I mean, <laughs> that was I mean, iconically, though. I mean, uh, every every superhero uh, uh, headquarters is is definitely screaming to be attacked. So, yep, because they're always they're None of them are very secretive, even if they are secret. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. And I am. I, I just want to say, yeah. Well, what did you think of this story holistically? I mean, uh, all in all, again, another somber story, but it it, it definitely did. Uh, it it hit the the heart. I mean, it had a lot of um, what it was telling was very heartfelt. That obviously, Cyborg's dad uh, wanted to give him something um, and the team something so that they could do good work yeah so he saw he saw something good that could come out of all the bad stuff and i think that's 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 a a, that's a good that's a good message right that's i think that's important for people to that's a good takeaway is that no matter how bad things are at the beginning of something uh you you have an accident or uh something that happens where uh people are lost uh, close, close loved ones and stuff like that. Um, you can move forward and, and hopefully rebuild better and stronger. So we are about to bounce to the next, next uh, story. All right. And, uh, I just want to say, so Gerard Jones is the writer here and Gerard Jones was all over DC right after this story. So he did, one through 47 of the Green Lantern volume three, of course, before it got to the important part, right? When it was just old man, Hal. before uh-huh. we get to blackest night, right? Yeah. So he jumps off the book there. He did the Emerald Dawn and the Emerald Dawn two with Keith Giffen on Emerald Dawn one. So a lot of that, he did the guy Gardner reborn stuff. He did a whole bunch of issues of 14 through 57 of justice league Europe. Um, so a lot of the stuff with Keith Giffen side of the house, um, and Mark Wade edited this one too, but uh, it's uh, it's kind of cool. We get this. Uh, we also get Kurt Swan penciling this, which <laughs> two Kurt Swan penciled stories in one Secret Origin book. That's pretty freaking amazing. Oh wow! Um, Ty Templeton on inks, where I like him, um, as opposed to uh, pencils at this page. I like Ty Templeton later, but I don't really like Ty Templeton stuff from this period. So I'm glad he's the inker. I do think he inks over uh, Swan pretty well here. Uh, we got Costanza on letters, Tom McCraw on colors. Um, so Tom McCraw had done the colors for the main Legion book too. So I think this is holistically appropriate. And we get a story titled The Little Clubhouse That Could. Nice. And we also get an attribution, Fortress Lad, created by Casey Carlson, who is another editor. So who could Fortress Lad be? And is this story... Fortress Lad is, if we're referencing him in the title, he's probably going to be the important part of the story that lives forever in pop culture, right? Of course. Of course. It's of not course. going to be anyone else in the story, right? No, it's all about him. Oh, okay. 
So Fortress Lads it. Yeah. Okay. That, that well, makes sense. Uh, well, you know, uh, we get the front page and we've got the backs of Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, and Lightning Lad in their awesome, awesome Silver Age costumes way back from the Adventure Comics days. What do you think of these costumes, Greg? I like them. I and like them. And we get some, we get an interesting menagerie of people there. Uh, looks like we got, uh, it looks like we've got Werewolf Wing Boy and cool. Purple Shirt Lass. Nice. And Eye Stock Kid. Wow. Or is that Medusa Kid back there? I'm not sure. I don't know. We've got Poison Ivy Lass. Mm-hmm. And we've got, I don't know, we got a guy that, a Unitard Kid. Okay. It's like yeah. he's walking on his hands and he's got his... Uh, he... No, not that guy. That's oh. head, That's Feet on Head Boy. Oh, Feet on Head Boy. I was talking boy. about uni, Unitard Kid over here with the gray Unitard. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know what the last guy is. Maybe that, that that's got to be Fortress Lad, right? Like, I think so. He looks bottom top bot, upside down rocket kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upside down rocket kid. That's... I thought that was Zippy from uh, the um, <laughs> the Zippy comics. You know, the pinhead. Well, I would have to say I did some Wikipedia digging and something. I guess I should have followed in the news better, but I do not need to point out that the author of this book was sentenced to child pornography in uh, charges in night in 2018. Oh, uh, so we do not endorse that. That is. Yeah, definitely not cool. Un, yeah, bad stuff. Yeah, it's not cool. I guess I should have known that. Um, and Maybe I that's why my you can't find better. this issue anywhere. I bet that's why it's pulled off. I was thinking it was for another reason, and that is probably why it's pulled down. Which is really interesting, though, because this will bring up something to talk about at the end of the story. Yes. I wonder how they're... So this has Perhaps. been pulled off, but I'm wondering how they'll reconcile that. So now I'm curious, though, do they have all those issues of Justice League Europe pulled off? And do they have those issues of Green Lantern pulled off? Interesting. Same person? Yeah. Well, in- that is interesting. Uh, it is I probably it is missed this in another how- issue. I, I would say in the, the last couple of years, how interesting it is to find how many dirt bags are out there um, between that kind of stuff and just, just, just human garbage dirt bags. <laughs> so uh, they do other things that are just messed up. Yeah, this is not super. He was arrested on December 29th, 2017. Wow. I almost think we should stop talking about this now. We can totally do that. We can nuke it right now if you want to. I think, you know what? I I think we should continue because I think this brings up a bigger issue. Um, Hmm. Uh, You know, I think we should definitely talk about it because um, I'm looking up a couple things just to see what's here. Yeah. Um. And also, I, th- I think there is a bigger issue here um, in the comics community and in the artist and creator rights community um, that I want to discuss because of an upcoming movie that ties to this comic. OK, OK. So we let's can... let's keep going. Um, All right. Let's, so we'll keep going. Um, interesting. And the fact that this book is selling on eBay for like 20 bucks a piece when I could get it in quarter bins like in a quarter bin. For four months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Back when conventions were happening and you could. Yeah. We kind of talked about that uh, in in a previous episode. In one of our episodes, because it yeah, may not be the previous episode. It yeah, may in a, this in a, way run before that episode. But yeah, in we another were talking recording. about that. <laughs> yeah. 
just depends on when I decide to release these. But yeah, it's wow. So I'm kind of stunned right now. Um, so um, uh, that's wow. So they pulled all. So uh, Green Lantern one through forty seven aren't here. Okay. So did they pull everything this guy wrote? Interesting. Which is an interesting choice. I'm just that's a very interesting choice, right? Is it, so it's it's like those stories didn't exist. It, yeah, it's almost like as if they they just kind of erased it. Yeah, I mean it's just a really interesting choice. I, I hmm. Okay. Well, obviously this this guy did horrible stuff. Well, I mean, it would make sense. I mean, like from from another aspect, like if if there was, we'll say, some sort of language that said if this book, well, they probably wanted to. I'm, I'm just going to go from the aspect of and and you can stop me if, if you wanted to save this for a later discussion. But I'm going to say they probably pulled it so that no no revenue could be generated and no one could collect for him. Right. And OK, let's let's explore that. OK, let's 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 continue on. OK. OK, so we are on the first page here and uh, obviously written the story was written by a terrible person who created the people in the story, with the exception of of Fortress Lad, who was created by Casey Carlson. Right. Uh-huh. OK, um, let's turn the page. Turning the page. Um, so the first applicant. So they're sitting in the park and we've got the superhero sitting there. And we say, greetings, uh, Legionnaires. The time has come for you to meet Arm Falloff Boy. And they say, my, that's unusual. Yes, and it is. Arm Falloff Boy says, my power will astound you. Observe as I detach my limb. Plorp. Plorp. And he says, I can transform into a deadly weapon. Die, villain. Hi-ya. And he says, so when will I be inducted? And they all three look at him and they're like, uh, thank you for our interest in our organization and best of luck finding a group that's suitable to your talents. <laughs> so um, there were a few of these tryouts back in the Silver Age Legion books, and they went a lot like this. Um, very similarly, somebody would try out and then they would either have some sort of power that wasn't super useful or powerful and then. Uh, they would get rejected and it mm-hmm. became a trope. And then uh, one group formed the Legion of Substitute Heroes, which is the okay. best. Uh, so it was rejected. So Arm Falloff Boy might have been a candidate for that. But clearly this is a, a joke, right? Making fun yeah. of the Silver Age books, right? And kind of playing off that. Um, so let's hold on Arm Falloff Boy for a bit and get through the story. And then we'll we'll go back to Arm Falloff Boy at the end. Okay. Okay. So now we get... Uh, Another uh, hero, it's Mnemonic Kid, and she tells Arm Falloff Boy to take a hike, and none of the heroes can say her name, like Nemo, and they're trying to spell Mnemonic, and this is fine, and she says, let me demonstrate my powers, and she makes a little kid forget where his house is, which is a night terror of mine. Like I used to have yeah. dreams about this. So I wasn't super thrilled by this. No. And uh, as a little kid, I used to have dreams about this, which we've discussed before. And so, yeah, um, terrifying. And they're like, give him back his memories. And she's like, yeah, I can't do that. I can only take them away, which seems like a pretty shitty power. It's not, so, yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, 
she leaves and uh, they say, thank goodness you were able to locate his mother. And yeah. Um, okay. So there we go. Well, now we get, hello, I'm Fortress Lad. And the upside down rocket ship walks up. <laughs> and right now we have, I come from the planet Fwang because we are currently <laughs> besieged by meteor storms. All Fwangian boys at puberty gain the power to become metallic fortresses for the protection of others. Okay. And they're discussing this. And they're like, we're sorry. We appreciate you sincerely, but we don't see how your powers would be much use to superheroes like us. And he's like, in a classic Silver Age fashion, he says, oh, only if I had a chance to prove what I could do. If only sob. Choke was also a classic there when people were sad. Sob. and yeah. Choke. Um, choke. So we get into the story and yeah, um, mnemonic girl, kid, whatever comes up to him and uh, wants him to team up against the superheroes. And he she makes fun of him. And so he leaves and. Later, he sees Mnemonic Kid going and attacking the Legion, and she's making them forget everything about themselves. <gasps> and uh, they're like, who's this weird girl in the park? But instead, Fortress Lad comes up, and he goes in and helps them out. And this solves their problem at the beginning of the story when nobody would let them build a headquarters, and they had to do their stuff in the park. So, whoa. Uh, he holds on and forgets and forgets and forgets and just becomes their clubhouse. And then she tries to bust into the clubhouse and the Legion is starting to remember. And since Saturn girl is a telepath, well, she's going to eventually remember. And yeah, they defeat mnemonic kid because of fortress lad. And now in a nutshell, they have a clubhouse, right? She tries to beat them up and we get to a nice little splash page at the end drawn by Kurt Swan with the superheroes in their Silver Age costumes, which is I will always love, including Bouncing Boy. Those are pretty cool. So wait, their their clubhouse is the inside of a dead person. Dude. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, right? Like a dead dude. Yeah. That's again, what a somber, sad story. Yeah, but we get a nice, you know, they petitioned the city. They think they found their clubhouse. It is a nice, sad story. But Fortress <laughs> Lad got to be a legionnaire forever. forever. That's what he wanted. Yeah, I guess he did. He found his calling. He was only left with one thought. To which save was, them at all costs and be a fortress. Which was never give up, never give up. Or it was ho-door. Hold yeah. door. Oh, my. He was the original? He was the original ho-door. Yes. Dude. So what you're telling me is he, that was a ripoff of Fortress Lad? Uh, well, I mean, George R. Martin does like comic books. Dang, man. I'm I, just saying. I'm besides myself. Yeah. Um, so I I don't even know what to say about this one. There's a lot that could be said. But I I mean, it is it it is it is interesting. I definitely like the the like you said that last panel is nice where everybody's standing there yeah what i don't like is uh what i found out the crappy the crappy information about the writer yeah yeah and so well what i found out about today too is that um so the reason i chose this book is we have a real name unknown and it looks like they're gonna sneak around this um so arm fall off boy is listed creators of Gerard Jones and Kurt Swan. Uh-huh. 
Um, and he has two appearances pre zero hour. Apparently I know he appeared in a background. Yeah. Of, of Legionnaires volume 12. So it was, but it was like a background. It wasn't a real appearance. Um, and I know the character shows up in Legion of superheroes in the 31st century, um, which was the cartoon spinoff book. Uh, but yeah, I think it's interesting. So, um, apparently, uh, Nathan Fillion's character in Suicide Squad is supposed to be Arm Fall Off Boy or the Detachable Kid. So maybe they're changing the name to get around this, but they're clearly uh, erasing um, this writer from the history of DC Comics, which well, we can discuss that in a second and, and the appropriateness of that. Um, but also the notion that they would try to sneak around paying this guy by slightly changing the name, but giving the person the exact same superpowers. <sighs> so where do you want to start here? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conflicted thoughts on this, but I mean, I mean, personally, I just wouldn't have used them. Yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, I would have found a different character. Right. So they're battling like the mythos, right? With they're battling the mythos here and this, like arm fall off boy is one of the most like uh, arm fall off boy is one of the most, you know, uh, overused characters in like every CBR comic book, like lamest hero, lamest power mm-hmm. when he was like, not even a real character, right? Like it was a character making fun of a silver age trope, yeah. right? Um, where they're trolling himself and they are calling him. It looks like the detachable kid mm-hmm. and they're calling him. Oh, I'm reading another article now. From July 30th, 2021, they're calling him an original character, two original characters making a debut in the Suicide Squad, which is completely disingenuous because every other article is like, yeah, that's arm fall off boy. Mm-hmm. So wow. they, like you said, they kind of skirted the, the the reality of where the character came from. and Well, and they don't that. have to pay Kurt Swan because he's dead. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling not real good about this, Greg. Well, I mean... Uh, like I said, you got you got a situation where you've got a, a creator that did some pretty messed up stuff and uh, probably, I mean, obviously shouldn't get any credit for, you know, like in, in this way. So they, you know, just, they, they kind of want to just like forget that and move on. So my take on it is if that's what you want to do, just don't use the stuff and don't even bring it into the into whatever you're creating and developing on the other side of things uh if and and this is where the the conflict is is that and i'm a firm believer if like you do things like that there's there's definitely things that will happen to you and you know like uh, legal things whatever and that's you know that's just that's how justice is um this is a situation where obviously they're looking at it uh, from from other legal other other standpoints of looking at how things were written up and they're like, okay, well, if um, one we change names and two we uh, don't we we recreate this, we don't have to pay this person or if we take off all their um, all their work, then they can't generate any income based off of those books that were created and then they don't get any income from those things. Uh, I personally like, again, like this is where the conflict is. I personally don't find a problem in that. If I mean, like it in one, on one side, I don't find a problem in that because 
sounds like the guy was a total crap bag and uh, shouldn't be, you know, they, they got paid for what they did and then they did some bad stuff and they probably shouldn't be, you know, reaping in the benefits of all this other stuff. But on the, on the other aspect of it, it does set a precedent. Uh, if a company wants to just, just basically like, uh, abscond creators and, or skirt around things and, and make changes to stuff, uh, and not pay people, then that that's obviously something they could do. Yep. And, uh, I mean, we're already seeing that kind of thing in, uh, in other situations in uh, in, in movies and productions and how, uh, movies are being released. I mean, it, there's a lot of podcasts out there talking about Scarlett Johansson and uh, and everything that's going on with Black Widow. Uh, we don't need to rehash all that. But the point is, is if you go in with a mindset that you have uh, a rollout for a project and you have an expectation for something. Uh, and then everything is changed and you have no say in it. Uh, and it changes the terms of all those things. Uh, it's kind of crappy, but on such a high level, it does set the precedent moving forward for anyone else. And not just actors, actresses, uh, anyone that's working in, in film or television, but uh, creators on, on any level that are working on any of these IPs. So that's it, it's kind of scary from a creator standpoint or anybody working in any type of creative field, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's really this is fascinating because like, too, I whole swaths of stories are now just gone right um, off this website. Right. So like almost all the Justice League Europe issues are gone, including the major crossover at the end of the Keith Giffen run. Interesting. All because of um, this this creator right because of this creator's transgressions including uh several issues with art from one of our friends oh wow so So i find all of uh yeah i mean this place is because it doesn't just impact this writer right like mm -hmm. it impacts residuals for all of the artists that that were here Mm -hmm. who had no power over it right so that's um yeah and it creates huge i mean it's interesting to bury the history because it creates huge holes in the storytelling i'm just wondering if like you know i mean there's got to be like a morals clause in these residuals contracts right like like how would he be getting residuals at all there's there should be i mean maybe that's something that that's something as we move into a, a different day and age of of thinking and or uh making through due process of other stuff uh we as a society look at these things and actually come up with a better way to handle this because like you said it it definitely does affect all the different people that are involved in these productions or the these you know in these books uh in these other things i i I was thinking about this the other day when i was at the shop uh we were putting out dvd sets and uh and dvds and dvd sets and stuff like that and i I grabbed a stack of stuff and started putting stuff up and it was just TV sets. Didn't even think anything of it and walked by and just behind me and grabbed uh, a couple of them right, right out of my hand before I even put them up. It was Cosby show. And Mm. she was like, you can't put it up. 
And yeah, but he's innocent. <laughs> Sarc- that, that was sarcasm. But I, can I just explicitly yeah. say that was sarcasm, please? I, 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 I totally, I, I, yeah. but he's not innocent. He's a, yeah. But the, the thing is, is how much does that affect the rest of the people that acted in that show, created that show, worked on that show? And anyone, you know, I mean, pulling it off of streaming platforms and other things like that moving forward. And anyone that would be hopefully getting residuals off that. Um, we have the Roseanne Barr situation too, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, they end up continuing her show. but Continue the you know, show, get rid of the character cross her and move forward. But, I mean, it, but, but things Not like that. Not comparing Roseanne Barr's comments to child pornography, mind you. But I mean, it, it definitely does. It does speak volumes, though. I mean, like how how we handle one situation and 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 a di- in another situation in two different ways, and uh, everything moves forward hunky dory, and everything moves forward monkey do monkey donkey. You know, it's it's it. We have to we have to come up with a, a better way. Um, another thing too that that was also just like. Um, just a little like we're we're having this discussion about things to put up in the store and you know like and orders and different things because uh it's it's pop culture related and uh we put up various you know various things that that hit for um different stuff that was you know from the past you know like 20 years all of a sudden you've got something that happens and you have no control over it you've ordered in product and now you've got people that are like, not going to touch that. I don't want that Activision lanyard, you know, and it, yeah, for good cause, good reason, you know, and it's, it, it, but on the same token, it's like a, the, it, it's, it's got the, the branding on it, but it's for a game uh, that none of the people that this current situation have, you know, it's, it's, it's for something from like 20 years ago. <laughs> But right. the, the point is, is one thing, one transgression can definitely nuke a whole entire vibe for somebody. Well, I think obviously this is a like this is beyond a transgression. Right. And so it impacts oh, yeah. several things. I guess what I'm back to is, though, we're deleting like all these stories so people can't have access to the stories. So presumably, right, like in, in my hope. Mm-hmm. is presumably so this person can't get residuals, right? That's our discussion point. Mm-hmm. But the at the same time, they're going to put a version of the, the, the character he created in a movie and then claim like everybody knows it's that character, but then they're going to claim it under a different name and not pay the residuals. I mean, this seems really awful. And I'm just wondering if Nathan Fillion knows that he's playing this character, right? And what the origin and history is. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good question. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe, I mean, I would say, um, should I go back to Twitter? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will bet you probably somebody's out there probably posed the question and his, his spin doctor team is working up a response. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Well, uh, our fans will know soon because this episode will go up sometime this week. Um, and then and future episodes, we'll get back to, uh, we'll get back to uh, Midnighter. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a good question though. I mean, like if, if that question hasn't been posed and people are listening to this, ask the question. I mean, honestly, we should ask the question. 
<laughs> well, you know, I started out this podcast like really excited because I thought we were going to talk about, and this is my own fault. This is my bad research. I thought we were talking about something kind of fun and it was fun. Uh, the initial issues, right. Yeah. Initial stories. But, you know, I guess, you know, I didn't look closely at Gerard Jones and then realized what he did as I was doing a little bit of research while we were going through here. And here I am just bouncing boop de boop de boo Hey, this is this guy who wrote a bunch of stuff for DC, but then, you know, here we go. Huh. And it, it answers the mystery of why you can't access this comic book anywhere. It answers the so question. How, uh, it also answers the question as to why it probably went from being a, a 25 cent bin fodder comic to something that costs 20 bucks. <laughs> well, no, but that's the thing. It costs 20 bucks because they put the character in the movie and they're well, not e- they're claiming it's not even the character. Right. But fandom is paying 20 bucks for the book because this is the first appearance of the character. So they know yeah. it's the first appearance of the character and it's being sold as that. And Warner Brothers is just going to turn their head and pretend it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm, people, now smart and educated people will listen to this podcast and go, oh, man, I don't want to buy this this book because it's written by a dirt bag. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sad. Like right now, this is making me very sad. Um, yeah. No, but it, it, you I'm glad you found this information out. I'm glad you brought it to the, the forefront. I'm glad we had a discussion about it because it opened up a lot of different points of discussion it was important it's what we do on funny book forensics not every conversation is going to be fun not every con- not every conversation is going to be uh uh <laughs> no we like, just got out of the but we had just gotten out of those books that weren't particularly great and i thought we were just gonna have a fun relaxing i know i know, I know. this is gonna and be a popcorn sucks. issue and but i mean this this is like this is like you know it, from my perspective, almost like I'm going to just quit buying from Warner Brothers, right? <laughs> from AT&T. Like, I, like, this to me is like that close, right? Like, Well, I mean, yeah. there are people out there that this this might be the, the thing that does put them over the edge. I mean, why would you, why, there, there's, there's five different pressure points as to why would you want to. Right, from the deletion of their own history and then glorifying the character anyway, right? Like, if they're going to delete their own history, then why are you doing anything that would exploit that history that you're hiding from people? Mm -hmm. Like, of all the other joke characters in the world, they could have put Bouncing Boy in the effing movie. Yeah. Who is an awesome character now, and Bendis wrote him to his credit. And probably would have been a great addition to the team and matter eater lad. Like let's go through the Legion history of all the weird heroes that have shown up. That's yeah. And that's the most stone stone boy would have been perfect for the movie. Stone boy's power is to turn to stone, but he can't move. See so many. How perfect would that have been for the suicide? Nathan Fillion could have played that character, right? That would have been great. It would have been, it would have been like having Drax, but not, (laughs) Right. It's just, yes. And, and he doesn't talk. He just turns to stone. So Nathan Fillion could have been like joking, playing his little character and then just turns to stone and is inanimate and somebody's, you know, hitting people with him. Right. Yeah. Like there are all sorts of different characters, even from the Legion mythos that could have shown up here besides this one. And they made it. James Gunn made a deliberate choice. And he knows comic books, too. So I'm not letting him off the hook. Oh, I mean, and that's true. And this wouldn't have been I mean, this is not going to be the first time that he's made a choice in in uh, some way, shape or form that's kind of gone against folks raised their bristles and or 
uh, made them a little uh, question question him. <laughs> yep. In his choices. So, yeah, I'm almost wondering if I should pull my Mark Wade question down now, but I'm not going to. So, yeah, it's this is interesting. This is interesting. And you've seen this in other medium, right, too. Um, like what, you know, what what would uh, WWE do with all the Chris Benoit matches, for example, right? Yeah. Like, we, should they pull them all down or should they just stay as part of their history, right? Right. And then it was a whole different discussion when stuff moved over to the Peacock Network owned by NBC Universal, right? Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is interesting. Well... Maybe we've beaten this story into the ground, but um, what's your last take? Should they have used the character in the movie or not? I don't think so. I personally don't think so. I think they should have. They should have gone a different direction. Yeah, and I'm gonna say no. They shouldn't. And I'm even. I'll caveat it with this: if you're gonna erase the person from history in your streaming service, in your apps and streaming services, then you absolutely should stay consistent. And this character should not have shown up in the movie. Yeah. I, I really wonder what our listeners uh, are going to think about this. And, and I, I, I'm i wondering what the mothership's going to think about this when they see the description of this podcast. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Cthulhu himself might come on down. Cthulhu himself. Well, maybe maybe uh, John should have shown up for this one. Jeez. Imagine that. Much to his chagrin. Maybe he knew. He- Maybe he no, maybe he knew. Well, no. maybe he knew. Um, that's, the, that's the thing about something like this is I don't think unless you're going to deep dive the research and, you know, I mean, like you're not going to. Well, know. and I do. That's the thing. I just you, didn't. I didn't generally look up our, do. You generally I didn't look do. up our authors before this one because I was like, well, hey, you know, uh, we've got Marv Wolfman. We've got <laughs> Grant Morrison. We've got Gerard Jones. I was like, OK, hey, um you know, three prominent writers for DC. Um, and here we go. And then, yeah. Um, you normally and I don't. guess it happened a couple of years ago, but it's, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I knew the story when it happened. Right. Yeah. But maybe, maybe you blocked it out. I don't know. I've slept since then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I blocked it out. Maybe I just forgot. Maybe I mixed up my writers, which entirely happens, but yeah, I mean, well, there we are. Yeah. Well, um, scumbag and, uh, his characters probably shouldn't be in this movie if we're deleting him from history. Yeah, man, it's. <laughs> oh, I got nothing. I got nothing. Well, you know, thanks for listening to Funny Book Forensics. We were fun. We got forensic on this one. We we did get forensic-y. Yikes. Yikes is right. All right. We're going to leave it there. Yep. Let's leave it there. Well, on that note, uh, we do not recommend going up and finding an issue of this comic for 20 bucks on eBay. No, not worth it. If you do have this comic sitting in your collection and you want to read it, feel free. But we covered it for you. So there you go. And now we know why you can't find it on media, which presents an interesting false scarcity of the book. Very much so. Well, until Hmm. next time, folks. Yeah, I know Anne would not let this one go on the shelf. Oh, no, definitely. I think uh, this one would end up in the uh, the the shred bin. In the shred bin. Yep. Well, note to self, uh, whole swaths of my childhood have now been tainted by a terrible person. And uh, there we go. And Until next poor time. Ron, and poor Ron has a whole bunch of books that are no longer up. Poor Ron. That he drew. Yeah. Which sucks. 
All righty. Well, on these fine notes, Greg. Yeah. Um, I'm Dan. You're Greg. We're here. And that's the end. And see we'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Oh, 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 oh,